Good morning, ladies. My name is Anna Grace Wood, and I am your hostess. This is Feminine Fidelity, where we are striving to recover recover biblical womanhood. Please check out my blog, Femina Soligradio. Um, it's also dedicated to the same thing. There you will find a lot of resources to help you to understand the woman's movement and um, resources to help you as a wife and a mother. I, I have a lot of different pages devoted to things like uh, feminism. Um, there is uh, one on uh, um, women's suffrage and the problems that have come from that. I have resources up on other pages for you and your children. And we have I have a church search page up with a lot of links to help you to find good churches and various other things. Plus, I have I put up articles as often as I can. Um, if you can, please consider becoming a supporter of the work I do. Um, I really could use your help if you can especially pray for me. Pray that I'll do all things for the glory of God. But if you can, uh, become a supporter, whether one time or recurring, that would be such a blessing to me and my family. I can't even begin to tell you. Um, but I understand if you can't, things and times are hard for everyone. Um, if you can, you can support me through, uh, through here where you found the, uh, podcast. You can support me through my, uh, blog. I have a link to Patreon on there and I have, uh, my PayPal and other things there that you can do that would help me to continue this work. Um, I want to share some things with you today. We're going to be discussing um, a woman's purpose. Uh, I want to read you a quote here. This is uh, Taylor Caldwell, and she was a novelist. And she said, remember this, the strongest sign of the decay of a nation is the feminization of men and the masculinization of women. It is notable that in communist nations, women are exhorted and compelled to do that which has traditionally been men's work. American women, some of them feel triumphant that they have broken down the barricades between the work of the sexes. I hope they will still feel triumphant when some commissar forces a shovel or an axe into their soft hands and compels them to pound and cut forest and dig ditches. I hope they will be happy when a husband deserts them and they must support their children and themselves alone. After all, if a woman must be free, she shouldn't object to men being free too, should she? I hope they will feel fulfilled when they are given no more courtesies due to their sex and no kindnesses, but are kicked aside on the subway buses by men and jostled out of the way by men on busy sidewalks and elevators. I hope when they look in their mirrors that they will be pleased to see exhausted and bittered faces and that they will be consoled by their paychecks. And this is uh, Richard Armour. He said the best happiness would result if women would continue to let this be a man's world and continue to provide a bower of bliss at home. Her greatest career is to help her husband and to start her children off in the right direction. Women should be reminded that they can have just as much pride saying, Look, I helped my husband and I have raised some decent children. I don't think women can do any better than that. That's more important than winning the Putler Surprise or the Nobel Peace Prize. Okay, and uh, lastly, I want to read this to you. This is uh, 
by F. Carolyn Graglia. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing her last name right. Uh, those who would defend anti-feminist traditionalism today are like heretics fighting a renegade inquisition. To become a homemaker, a woman may need the courage of a heretic. Feminists claim a woman can find identity and fulfillment only in a career. They are wrong. They claimed a woman can, in that popular expression, have it all. They are wrong. She can only have some. The experience of being a mother at home is a different experience from being a full-time market producer who is also a mother. A mother can have one or the other experience, but not both at the same time. Combining a career with motherhood requires a mother, a woman to compromise by diminishing her commitment and exertions with respect to one role or the other, or usually to both. This is from A Brief Against Feminism. Now, um, we have been lied to for so long and told, yeah, we can have it all. I remember in the 1970s, there was these uh, commercials, this woman in a uh, business suit, she was a skirt and jacket, and with a briefcase, and she was singing, I can bring home the bacon, fry it up in a pan, and never ever let you forget you're a man, because I'm a woman. And they never showed us the ugly side. You know? They didn't show us the broken marriages that were going to happen, and were even happening then. They didn't show us the discontentment that would accompany giving up our homes, um, marriage, children. They didn't show us that we're going to submit to someone. And a man who loves us and would die for us is much, much more likely to be someone that when we submit to them, that we're happy in doing so, than in submitting to a boss to whom we're just another employee. And he doesn't care about us, not on a personal level. Now, that's not to say all bosses are like that. That's certainly not true. But a lot of them are. And to them, it's... They get a paycheck, you get a paycheck, we just got to do what the big boss tells us we got to do. And if you're not doing it right, you're going to get yelled at, you're going to get canned, you're going to get written up. He doesn't care about how you're feeling that day. He doesn't care that you've got a child at home that you're worried about because the child is sick or because the child is struggling in some way. He doesn't care that you were up all night because your baby was throwing up and that you're not feeling so well yourself, he will tell you, do your job anyway. Um, they didn't show us the sacrifices we were going to have to make. And so many of my generation and the generation before me and the generation after me bought into these lies. And, you know, ladies, so much was given up. Our purpose is to honor our Lord by being a wife and a mother. Our purpose is to be a keeper of the home, 
Our purpose is to fulfill all that God has given us to do. Our purpose isn't to please a boss. Our purpose isn't to try and juggle an insane schedule. Our purpose is to get into the Word and read what God has said to women. And I'm going to read you this. This is Titus 2, 3 through 5. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. This is God's purpose for us, ladies. We are to strive to be reverent in our behavior. We're not to gossip. We're not to slander. We're not to be slaves to much wine. This whole mommy culture with the, I need wine to get through my day, God condemns that right here. We are to teach that which is good. And God tells us what that is here. And so train, this is connected. We are to teach this. That is what he is explaining here. So train the young women to love their husbands and children. If you're going to love a husband and children, you have to have husband, a husband and children whom you can love. Um, we are to train young women to be self-controlled. Not very men, many young women these days are self-controlled. Not very many older women are either. Um, I, I get on some women's sites on Facebook sometimes, and some of these are reformed sites, ladies. And the things they say on there, it's just heartbreaking. Nobody's taught them. Nobody seems to understand. A lady will put up, oh, I'm going to go to seminary and take some classes and I'm going to do thus and such with it. And women will be applauding her. You know, Lady Seminary was created for men to become pastors. We don't need seminary. We don't need seminary because that's just one foot in the door that will enable us to then say, why can't we preach like Beth Moore has preached and Amy Bird has preached and others have done so even though they don't call it preaching. It doesn't matter what they call it. They're, they're dishonoring the Lord, disobeying Him. And this is but one step in. We don't need that. We need to be self-controlled in control of our emotions, in control of our time, in control control of our desires, and we're to bring them under the sway of Scripture. And so this right here ought to tell you that something like that is wrong because that was for men. And that's good. It's good that it was for men. That means it's not for women. But it's not just that. It's you get on there, and I've seen men on these sites getting on and saying, well, I'm the housewife more or less. I'm Mr. Mom, and I'm a stay-at-home dad, and my wife goes and works and supports us. And these Reformed brothers and sisters are like, yeah, that's a good thing. 
That's a good thing. Very few will actually call him out. And this is this is heartbreaking. That means that somewhere along the line, the woman has gotten support for this unbiblical idea that she will go out and be the breadwinner while her husband takes care of her home and her children. She's doing his role, his duties, he's doing her duties, and they're both in sin. God commands us to be self-controlled. In order to be self-controlled, we have to understand what Scripture is, and we have to live our life in accordance with it. We're to call to be pure. We're to teach young women to be pure. Modesty is at an all-time low. Women are crass with their words. They get in your face. They're impatient and will just spout off. Um, I've seen women online who claim that they love the Lord Jesus more than anything. Cursing. And being irreverent towards those who are older. Those who are more mature in the faith. I've, you see young women in our church, I see young women come in, I saw a young lady come in to service one day in, in short shorts to Sunday morning worship, short shorts, and not a single person in that church seemed to think there was a problem. I I don't understand how we cannot understand that there is an issue here. I see young women go into church all the time with their dresses three, four, five, six inches above their knee. You know, if they bend over, they're going to be showing their rump. If a wind comes along and blows that skirt up, they're going to be showing everything. And... There's no official teaching on this. The mothers and fathers don't seem to be teaching it. And those of us who do try to teach it, you'll have people come along and tell them, no, you don't need to do this. I know with my oldest daughter, who is now 32, when she was a teenager, there were some older women in the church who went to her and... Um, bought her some clothes that were extremely immodest and gave them to her as a gift because they figured she needed to update her wardrobe. And these these same women were wearing cleavage-bearing blouses and dresses and tight pants or jeans to church and certainly not every older woman is like this not every older woman or even younger woman is immodest in the way they dress or present themselves and not every woman is crass or crude with her language but you know we don't think about what it actually means to be pure and to teach other women to be pure we look at this and we go right over it. We are to watch what we put before our eyes, ladies. That means don't read romance novels that are 
going to be descriptive of sex or of her impassioned desire for him, her heaving breast, whatever. You don't need this. You don't need to read these trashy romance novels. You just don't. It, you, you're, you're setting yourselves up to be to have a desire for that which God condemns. Um, maybe to be discontent with your own husband, which God condemns. See, purity, purity is more than just modesty. It's everything. You're, you need to be pure in your thoughts. If your thoughts are not lining up with Scripture, they're not pure. You need to be pure in what you watch, read, what you listen to. Do you listen to vulgar music? Or music that is descriptive and and things that it ought not to be talking about um, that you don't need to be listening to. We need to teach young women that you don't need to do this and to be modest because that's also a part of purity. Um, pure in their behavior with the opposite sex, how she relates to guys. You know, no, don't don't flirt. And teach them what it is that flirting is because um, I remember as a teenager I was told that I was being flirty one day and I had no idea. I didn't even realize I was flirting because I wasn't trying to. So sometimes this can come about in a way that she's doing something and she doesn't realize how it might be perceived by the opposite sex. But, you know, this is all a part of a mom's training of her daughter, aunts, grandmothers, Jump right in and help and teach. And also, your neighbors, your neighbors. You know, if you have someone that you can help train in your neighborhood or in your church, you have a job to do, ladies. Help teach these things so these younger women understand. We're also to teach that which is good, which is working at home. I have heard this described so many times as, as long as she does her work at home, it doesn't matter what else she does. So she can go out and have a full-time job as long as she cares for her home, too. This is not what this indicates. Um, your home is where God wants you to be. He wants you to Take care of this home. Make your home hospitable so that you might invite others from your church in. You might bring your neighbors in. You might bring the poor and needy in and feed them when they need a food. If you have someone that you could do this for. My grandmother, I've done an episode on her how she was my example of the Proverbs 31 woman. She would feed uh, the hobos that would come through during the Great Depression. My mother told me that her mother never, ever, ever turned away anyone. If they needed a food, needed a meal, they found it in Miss Anna's house. And I can remember my mother, whom I love dearly, um, when I was little, I remember a couple times she heard about someone, I don't remember if it was someone in our church or someone in just in Tallahassee where we 
where I was growing up. Um, but they were having a really hard time and didn't have much food in the house. And she would go in the house and she'd measure out half of our flour, half of our salt, half of our meal, half of our eggs, and, and send them over to them so that she could help them out in their time of need. You know, this is what we're to do. We're to be to, if you're not home, you can't do these kinds of things. I remember um, when I was growing up, you know, when babies were born, women would cook and they would take, they would take a roast over, they'd take fried chicken over, they would take a pot of soup over and homemade bread, they would take a homemade pie or homemade cake. Now if someone brings you something that's more than likely a frozen lasagna or a bag of salad or hamburgers they've picked up at the drive through or something like that, very few women actually go into their kitchen and cook when someone is in need. But these ladies did it for when there was a when there was illness in the family, when there had been a death, when someone um, was on bed rest for whatever reason, um, the shut-ins, uh, ladies who had just had a baby, if there had been an accident, um, if there was some kind of financial need, they would go into their kitchen and they would start cooking and they would cook up these these feasts. It was amazing what they would produce and they would take it over. Jars of home canned pickles and preserves and you know biscuits and gravy and all sorts of wonderful foods that they would uh, take to these people because they were showing love for them and if they hadn't been home so that they could care for their own families they would not have been able to care for these other families and you see that today because there is a dearth of this kind of thing um, back, back in the day, when someone died, you would go into their home and their kitchen was so, was overflowing with food. They would have enough food to feed anybody that came for visitation and any family that came into town. And then they'd probably have enough food left over for a week. A lot of them had to end up freezing some of it from what I was told. There was so much food. And we don't do this anymore. We don't know how to care for people like this anymore because we don't even care for our own families. We don't care for our own children this way or our husbands this way. So we don't do it for others. We're to be kind. And what I've just been describing, that is kind. This is doing all of this out of an outflow of love for the Lord and love for your brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what we're to do. And uh, we're to show this kindness because God has commanded us to. We're to train young women how to do this. Um, we're to train young women to be submissive to their own husbands. Submission is a bad word today. Um, it was a bad word to me because I was taught not to be. I, you know, I didn't. I didn't see it. I didn't. There was a lot, there, there was nobody teaching me this. I didn't, I saw it, but I didn't have a husband. I mean, I, my mother didn't have a husband in the family because he had died after having abused us. And I didn't see it. So I grew up with this skewed understanding of, of this. And I had to learn. 
And I prayed to learn, and I studied to learn, but there was nobody there to teach me. I had to do it all on my own through prayer and obviously all by the grace of God. But this is what we're to be teaching. Somebody should have taught me. And to be submissive doesn't mean I'm telling you to be walked on or to be yelled at or to never have any thoughts or feelings of your own. And, you know, ladies, if you are, if you're talking to a guy or you're in a courtship with a guy or you're dating a guy who walks on you, he's going to do it later too. Um, if he doesn't want you to have an opinion of your own now, he won't want you to have an opinion of your own later. Now, the thing is, is when you marry, he becomes your head. And he's the one that sets the tone for the family. He is the one that sets the mission for the family. He is the one that has, that God, to whom God has given a vision for his family that he has to then put into place. And it's your job to submit to this. This doesn't mean that you never get to express yourself ever. If he's a godly man, he will want your opinion. He will want you to help him to figure things out at times. Paul Washer says that his wife Charo is, you know, his greatest confidant and that she is his greatest counselor. And he highly values her input into things. And so he talks to her. And I think this is beautiful and I think it's biblical. Uh, however, he's still the head of the family. And ultimately it's him and not her that makes the decisions. And this is the way it ought to be. It is your husband, not you, that sets the tone. And so you have to be submissive to him. And older women need to be teaching this. This is your purpose, older ladies. And younger ladies, it is your purpose to learn. And anyway, we are to do all of this, that the word of God may not be reviled. When we dishonor the Lord by not doing these things, we are dishonoring him period. And we are inviting Satan to bring scorn upon him. We are inviting non-believers to laugh at and mock our Lord. When we fail to believe what scripture has said to women and we fail to obey it, we are bringing dishonor on God, on Christ, on the Holy Spirit, on the Word. And we are in sin. And this is true whether it is about anything, anything that the Lord has said as far as how women are to be. Our purpose, how we're to act, how we're to speak, how we're to live, how we're to worship. Everything that God said to us as women, we must take to heart, we must honor, we must obey, or we are bringing dishonor on him. And this is our purpose, is to honor our Lord by being obedient to him for the purpose that he himself has given to us. When we don't, we will pay the price. There is a consequence for disobedience, and you can see it all around us. We would not have the problem with sodomy that we have, this transmania that we have, and everything else if 
women had stayed in their place and men had stayed in theirs. So ladies, let's pray to recover biblical womanhood. Let's pray that men will step up and teach it, preach it from the pulpits, that they will take it seriously within their own churches, that husbands and fathers will take it seriously within their home, because it goes hand in glove. Biblical womanhood cannot be divorced from biblical manhood. We need the men to lead us. A lot of women will tell you they don't need no man, but that is so not true. We need a man. We need a husband to lead us, to be our head. And in the home, young ladies, you need fathers to guide you and care for you and watch over you until it's time to pass you off in marriage to your husband. So you go under from the headship of your father to your husband. I know this is... This doesn't sound right to modern ears because you haven't been taught this. But this is, the, this is what Scripture teaches. And a thorough reading of it, an examination of it, with a desire to honor the Lord and a desire to learn, will show us this. I'm going to let you all go now. I hope you all have a good day. And all that you do, seek to bring glory to the Lord, ladies. Until next time, bye-bye, y'all.